You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. We are thrilled that you are joining us again today for Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. This is a podcast with the Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church Christ in Dallas, Texas. My name is Jacob Hawk, the host of this podcast and the Young Adults Minister. We have been in a series the past month on dating and relationships, and today we are bringing that series to a close with my good friends Wayne and Tammy Roberts in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Wayne, Tammy, we're glad to have you back today. It's good to be here. Thanks, Jacob, for having us. So last week we talked a little bit about how the seasons of life change, and with the changing of seasons comes naturally the changes of marriage and relationships. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about how we navigate through the pressures and conflicts um, of life, particularly in the marital bond. We'll get to that in just a second, but Wayne, Tammy, tell us a little bit more about yourself for those who are tuning in for the first time this week. Well, uh, we have been married 40 years. We have five kids, 10 grandkids. Uh, We have been doing marriage seminars, family seminars, parenting seminars as our primary ministry for about the last six and a half years after serving about 16 years with a church in Colorado. And, um, it has taken us pretty much coast to coast and border to border uh, until last year where we sat at home and I had to see if we could put all of our marital uh, thoughts into actual practice as we were cooped up together for about nine months. Uh, he, he's not explaining our personalities at all. Uh, <laughs> as we've done our marriage seminar, we've discovered that I'm actually the man in the relationship and Wayne is the woman. And so we've had to learn how to balance each other out where that's concerned. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'll, Hard to know where to go after that, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, I've never viewed Wayne as a woman, but I will now. So uh, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so... As we're talking about um, conflict in marriage, uh, first question we're going to touch on today, what are some of the most well-known conflicts that you guys see in marriage counseling? Well, I guess there's kind of what I call the big three that plague most marriages at some place, and that is the problem of communication, the problem of finances or finances and questions of intimacy. Now there's some couples deal with unfaithfulness or they might deal with abuse and addiction and certainly kids present a challenge, but those are three that always seem to come to the surface of most marriages. And actually communication 
is the key in all of those. When communication is failing, your your intimate life, your sex life is, is harmed by that. All areas of your marriage are harmed by that when you can't communicate. Yeah. It, we find that communication impacts all of those others because either it, it makes a problem or it debilitates your ability to re resolve the problem. In other words, if you can't fix your communication issue, those other problems are going to struggle trying to be resolved because you can't communicate about them. Right, right. And I think Tammy hit the nail on the head there um, when she said every issue probably does result from or at least is challenged by a lack of communication. Uh, yeah. Yes. Communication helps work out a lot of right. things. Okay. So the big three, uh, communication, finance, intimacy. Um, second question, how, how do you think conflict can be viewed as a positive element of marriage? Well, it is, it is a conflict is actually necessary to, as you have come together as two different personalities, you're going to work out how you're going to balance each other. Like I mentioned a while ago, well, there's going to be some conflict. And I've always been a little nervous about couples that say they have no conflict because it suggests something maybe unhealthy that they don't talk about anything that one is always giving in to the other. So conflict can be healthy when it, when you go about it correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, conflict is going to occur. Mm -hmm. I think that's Tammy's point. If it yeah. doesn't occur or you don't perceive it's occurring, there's conflict. It's just not getting out in the open. I like to think of it as like pain in the human body. Nobody wants pain. Nobody likes pain. But pain is actually one of those God-given things to help protect us. So when conflict arises, that's when the matter has come out into the open. And it says there's a problem here. So instead of simply viewing it as, well, we're having we're having conflict. Uh, we're having conflict. What are we going to do? Or we're having conflict. We shouldn't be married. We go, okay, conflict is a pain receptor telling us there's a problem. We need to address it. So in that regard, fire extinguisher, not a good thing. Fire alarm, you don't want it going off in the middle of the night. But those things are preparatory to deal with whatever problem might come along. Same thing with conflict. That's very well said, Wayne. Uh, I like that perception of, of pain. Pain is there in the human body to, like you said, to protect us. If something hurts, something's not right. Um and that's a good way to view conflict in marriage. If you're coming across an issue that keeps arising that you're not settling, that's kind of like you're saying, a distress signal or a warning sign that, hey, right. we need to deal with this now before it gets out of hand. So, okay, right. so uh, conflict, natural, obviously, uh, kind of three big stressors that you've mentioned. They can be positive. They can help you reach a more mature place in the relationship. But why do uh, so many er marriages end so quickly? Well, I, you know, the statistics say 50% of all marriages will fail, and that's even true amongst those who consider themselves Christians. Uh, I, I found some statistics that I think marriages are more successful than we've been told, that people are, there are more happy people in marriage than we like to, to maybe admit, because then we'd be out of the seminar business, I guess. But the, the truth is that uh, marriages do, do well. But there are a lot of marriages that do meet, especially in those early years, with 
struggles. And there, I say early because there's so many transitions happening in that first year or two of marriage, right? You're getting to know each other's personality. How do you conduct your day, your sleep schedule, cold feet versus no blankets versus, uh, you know, time, morning person, not all those kinds of things. Then there's the transition, starting a new home, starting off in a new job, starting multiple jobs, then kids come along. I mean, the only thing constant in those first few years of marriage, it seems, is change. I think that's why we see it maybe more in younger couples. And by that, I mean, how long they've been married, newly weds and shortly thereafter, because they're struggling with just finding their, finding their fit. And as they come in, those early years, you bring in preconceived ideas so often, thinking uh, if your parents never fought and now you're fighting with your spouse, you assume something's wrong with your relationship because you've never seen that before. Right. Uh, all those preconceived ideas can really hurt a marriage if you don't talk through them and work through it. But some people just want to walk away because that's not what they thought marriage was going to be. Yeah, so when they so when the misconception isn't realized because it's a misconception, right. then the couple gets discouraged, they get disappointed, and perhaps even divorced because one or both of them are not having sometimes in fact frequently unrealistic expectations met. Right. And we live in a disposable society that we've listened to the world. It it affects uh, marriages in the church as well. Everything, if it's not easy and if it's not just how I thought it would be, I'll get another one. Yeah, I, te I tease my mother-in-law because I caught her washing one of those red solo cups. And I said, you know, you can just throw them away. And her, she looked at me equally surprised like, it's a cup. It works. It doesn't have a hole in it. I'll wash it like any, but we, right. We, we throw away our plates. We throw away uh, this, we throw away that we get a new one. If we don't like it, new job, new house, new car. So we come to our marriages. Very rarely does the world promote this idea of sticking to it. Right. If you don't like it, change it. And, and that, that certainly affects those new marriages. It goes back to the fairy tale line that they lived happily forever after the better statement is, you know, they're lucky to live ever after. They're not always going to be together uh, happily. Yeah, well, Tammy always says that's because the handsome prince is muscular and doesn't speak. So that makes it a lot easier to live that way. But there is value in ever after, even if some of those days aren't happy. Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. yeah. um, okay, so kind of back to the communication thing, because this is such a big issue in all different um, areas of the relationship. But my question is, what makes, air quotes, quality, end air quotes, communication so difficult as opposed to just communication in general? Because there's certainly two different types of communication in marriage. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I think quality, one of the problems we have with quality communication is uh, we're not very good listeners. We're usually so focused on what we're wanting to communicate that we're not listening in that understanding that there are two people involved in this communication. So we, we need to be better listeners. That would help in uh, developing quality communication. Yeah, it, it, it goes on to kind of this idea of, yeah, you're right, there are two kinds of communication. 
Tammy and I don't have any communication issue except keeping the neighbors from hearing it, right? <laughs> I mean, that's communication. But this idea of how do we respond when we are faced with someone speaking out, okay? My wife comes in and says, I'm, I'm discouraged in this, or I wish you would uh, do something a little bit different, uh, or it bothers me or hurts my feelings, and I, I go into defense mode. I go into reactionary mode. So when our communication that our listening even is about preparing a reaction, not a response. In other words, stop. Give your first thought a second look. Do some things about saying, listen, this is a communication where we're going back and forth. And I need to learn on the receiving end to not be, well, 1 Corinthians 13 in that love chapter, it says love is not easily provoked. You can translate that in a modern rendering says that it's not so sensitive. Mm -hmm. It's not so touchy. It doesn't get its feelings hurt so easy. So if my wife comes in and says, I don't like the way that you leave your, you know, your dirty dishes just on the table and don't take them to the sink. Well, I don't take that as, I don't take that personal. I go, well, let's talk about it. Or maybe I could really go the extra mile, self-sacrifice and, take it the three feet to the sink, you know, mm -hmm. but the idea is we're so quick to respond uh, to react rather than respond that the other goes, I'm not going to talk to him anymore because every time I do, they blow their stack. And that's kind of the third thing in the absence of communication, there's no communication. Now that may seem kind of formulaic, but the thing is, if you're not talking because you think or that your spouse is going to blow up or you're afraid of how they react, then you're not talking, you're not communicating, except through huffs and puffs and slinging the dishes into the sink. So you've got to keep talking and you've got to allow your spouse the opportunity to share by listening and by responding kindly uh, and vice versa. So much good stuff there um, from both of you. But when Tammy was talking about being good listeners makes for good communicators, uh, Wayne, you touched on something as well of not not getting offended so easily, not being so sensitive. Uh, good listeners don't just have open ears; they have open hearts as well. And, right, uh, exactly. Well if said. You're gonna, if you're going to claim to okay, let's talk about something, you have to be ready to hear whatever your partner may be feeling. Uh, <laughs> being in church work for the last almost twelve years now, I've seen on numerous occasions. I know you have as well in your ministry, Wayne and Tammy. Uh, if a church is going to be bold enough to ask a congregation what their thoughts are, they need to be prepared what those thoughts may be and to just yeah. ignore them after the congregation voices their opinion does more harm than not asking them at all. Um, yeah, we're, we're used to that, how are you doing, I'm fine kind of conversation. We're good with that, but if they stop and go, well, let me tell you how we are. I'm going, eh, that's not really what I want to know. Please move, move along. There's other people I need to talk to. Yeah. Or their opinion on how to improve something in the church, and then people offer their time and their energy and their ideas, and then none of those ideas are ever acknowledged. Well, that's when you lose your volunteer base. And I think right. in, in marriage, same way, when your partner tells you, hey, I'm not happy here, and here's why, and it's never addressed, uh, that's the beginning of the end. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so quality communication, huge deal. Big difference between that and just communicating. Um, right. Here's kind of a complicated question. What is the difference 
between reconciliation and restoration? Is there a difference? Yeah, yeah, I think they're I think they're partners. I mean, I think that um, I think that all reconciliation, I mean, all restoration includes reconciliation, but reconciliation is kind of that idea of our objective was to get back together. And so couples go, well, we've been married for 60 years. We can't stand each other, but you know, we've stuck together. That that's not that's not healthy. So think of it like a car. I got a car and it's run down and the headlights are quitting. So what I do is I go out and say, you know what? I just need to get that thing good enough to get down the road. I need to fix the headlight. I leave it damaged on the outside, but I got to get the headlight. I get a tire for the, for the one that's flat. I get it on down the road. That's all I needed a car for. Restoration says, no, I'm going to take that car, that 69 Pontiac executive, and I'm going to take it all the way back to the way it was when it rolled off the showroom floor right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to add pinstripe and I'm not going to add blowers. I'm not going to add whale tails, all those other things. I'm just going to take it back. And that's really what, what I think the idea of a restoration marriage is, is it's radical. It's going back to the roots. It's going back to what this marriage was that we committed to on the day that we were married, the thing that God wants it to be, not just to how do we get us down the road? Because sometimes um, though, though I'm convinced that couples need to work out their problems together. I don't think separation is what fixes problems. You know, we're having some problems, so we're going through a trial separation. Here's what you'll find out at trial separation. You get to eat when you want to, what you want to. You can do whatever you want to. You will find that you like being single better than you like being married at that point in time. Nobody to argue with, nobody to fight with. So I can get you back together but if you're not back together, as as Jesus had said, as one flesh mingled, you've not had your marriage restored. And, mm-hmm. and I think probably some of us who are in the coaching and counseling and ministry, we have a tendency to say, man, our objective is we got to get them back together. We just got to get them back together. And we don't do them any service whatsoever because back together is, the problem isn't they're just apart. The problem is they're a long way apart. And we've got to fix that. Right. And, and understanding that the restoration, and I'm glad Wayne pointed that out, restoration isn't always back to, I wish we were how we were when we first married. Restoration is back to what Jesus designed, what, what Jesus had in mind for your marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a healthy marriage. So you got to come back together, but just getting you back together, boy, we're glad they worked that out. They're, they're back together. They haven't worked it out. They're fighting like cats and dogs. So I think it would be fair to say then that reconciliation takes two parties, but restoration takes three parties, and the third party of restoration is God. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, worldly relationships. And it can probably takes longer than merely reconciliation. In other words, we get them back together. You can get them back together the next day. Okay, move back in, but that other may take quite some time to really be where it needs to be. And it may never happen, unfortunately. That's right. exactly right. You may be roommates the rest of your life, but not husband and wife. Right, uh, exactly. Okay, so the next question, a uh, painful question for many people, um, but Americans have a tendency to run to two places way too soon. The first place is uh, the wedding chapel, and the second place is divorce court. Um, they 
quickly run to those places, but don't think about <laughs> the result of those decisions either time. So before leaving a marriage, what questions really need to be answered? Well, I think one of the first questions that you have to ask and you have to ask yourself is, have I done everything possible to, to help heal my marriage, to make a healthy marriage? Not has my spouse, but have I done everything necessary to do that? So I think that's one of the first questions you ask. Yeah, and, then, and I would add to that, then you ask yourself, okay, what is your end objective? I mean, I've had somebody come to me and say, you know, uh, my husband looks at pornography and Jesus said that if your husband watches pornography on the internet, that that's lust and lust is the same as adultery. And if he commits adultery, you can get another husband. So can't I? And I ask him, even trying to be sensitive, I don't think a husband has any business watching pornography. But my question is, what's your objective? Are you looking for the loophole to get out of this relationship? Or are you finding a way to reconcile and to be restored. And at the end of that is a hard, hard question. And that is, is my ultimate objective in my action to bring glory to God or is it to do something for me? Mm-hmm. And that, that may sound like I'm saying stay in a bad situation. And I might say, yes, if it glorifies God more than you getting out of that relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's not always happy for us to be spiritually healthy. Sometimes it can bring problem. So I would ask, why are you doing, what are you open to accomplish? Well, I want to be happy. Well, I want to be, I want to live in a different place. I want this, you know, I want endless excitement, whatever one of those misconceptions are. I'm like, you might have a misguided objective in that. And then I think you need to ask yourself, okay, if I'm going to leave, am I ready to live with the consequences of my decision? whatever those consequences might be. Am I ready to live alone? Am I ready to be the financial uh, supplier, provider for myself or my children or whatever the situation might be? But you have to ask yourself, honestly, am I ready for that? Yeah, sometimes in the process of making that decision, one goes, anything is better than this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But maybe in a situation, and I don't want to get into the theology behind all of it, but it might be that in a case where unfaithfulness has not occurred, but simply we have, quote, unquote, irreconcilable differences, that the person that's leaving might not have the right before God to remarry again. And you have to ask yourself, is that really, you know, where you want to go? Right. And as a result of that, maybe you won't have the opportunity to have children. Now, I don't say you just stay there because it's the only husband or wife you're going to get, or it's the only way you can get kids. But I'm saying, when you go, oh, yeah, I'm willing to do it. Okay, where are you going to live tomorrow? How are you going to eat tomorrow? What's your life going to look like tomorrow? And sometimes that idea of anywhere but here, compared to what it might be, isn't as, it's not as desirable to leave. So the answer is, I think you got to ask yourself some really serious questions and give some really hard answers. Mm-hmm. And I think something that people do not understand when they talk about divorce casually, like it would be a good option, divorce immediately affects three generations. Mm -hmm. It affects the couple who are on the brink of divorce. It affects their children. 
and it affects the parents of the couple that are currently married that you've pledged to be faithful not only to that individual but their family you've inherited another family yeah and, and unfortunately jacob our experience has been it goes beyond that mm-hmm. in other words that when a family is plagued and i say plagued by divorce that the next generation and the next generation and the next generation may suffer that consequence if in nothing else the idea that says, well, mom and dad didn't have to make it work. Mm-hmm. And they turned out all right, quote unquote. So maybe that's an okay route for us. Mm-hmm. Or it, it, or it's that just becomes an option to solving our marriage problems. And I'm not saying there's no place for divorce. I'm just saying it becomes easier with each generation until maybe one goes, this stops here with us. Um, and I love the line that you said. It's so true. Uh <laughs> When you're spiritually healthy, you're not always physically happy. Those things can be mutually exclusive at times. Um, yes. And happiness and holiness don't usually share the same platform. So, right. No. Um, so God wants you to be happy, and happy is part of a healthy marriage, but holiness is what he wants. Exactly. So, uh, you know, you alluded to this just a second ago. You said you're not saying that there's never a time for divorce. So for those who have been divorced listening to this— um, when is neither reconciliation nor restoration possible? You know, it's a short answer, but it's a really, really hard one. And I say that because it's something that I had to come to learn over time. And that is that the marriage faces an almost unavoidable end when one of the spouses finally comes to a point where they say, I am not interested in reconciling, in restoring, in continuing this marriage. I I always believe that, you know, if you've got one that's trying real hard, and by the way, this isn't to exclude trying real hard. Your spouse comes in and says, I want a divorce, and you go, okay. I mean, I think you need to take some actions before that. But a marriage, you know, you mentioned the idea of a marriage takes three, but it takes at least two. It takes two people who entered into this arrangement in the first place, one who will continue to see it, and when difficult times come along, that they're the ones that want to work together. Let me tell you, I I know we got our time's running out. Let me tell you a really quick story to illustrate it. I had a couple. They had been married seven years, divorced for seven years, remarried, and had been married now almost seven years again. Never resolved the problem really from the first time they were married. They were in my office seeking for counsel. And I was a young preacher at the time, an old guy, an older guy, but a young preacher. And I thought, I've got a great idea. And I reached up on my bookcase where I had this arrow that I had bought at a trading post. And I broke it in half and I gave a half to each one of them. And I said, you know, in some um, cultures, they would break an arrow and make an agreement of peace. And that both of the tribes that were at war would keep one half of the arrow to say, we've broken the war and this is a reminder of our agreement. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do is the two of you to come to a a ceasefire for 30 days while we work through some of this. And I handed one half to the gentleman and I said, I want you to keep this arrow in a prominent place as a reminder that we're in a 30 day uh, ceasefire. And I handed the other half over to his wife and said the same thing. And she crossed her arms 
and refused to take that other half. In other words, saying, I'm not interested in resolving this. And immediately after that, she stood up. She says, I'm not willing to. I'm not going to. And she left. And he looked at me and he said, what do I do now, brother? And I said, well, we're going to pray. But if she's not interested or willing to do something to try to resolve this, I don't know how we can how we can fix it because it's going to take not two at their very best, but it's going to take two at least trying. Mm-hmm. Tammy, do you have anything to add on that? No, I, that it's a simple answer. Yeah. If you're not both trying, I I don't know how you work around that right. when one is done and it is heart wrenching. But when one is is done, it it's hard to heal that. Yeah, and like I said, I'd be patient with that. It's not the it's not a gut reaction to go. It's over with. You need to make some effort. You need to ask some questions. You need some try some things because we've all had one of those knee jerk reactions where you say, "I'm done." You know, tell the kids, "You do that again, I'm going to kill you." You didn't intend to kill anybody, but you're hot under the collar. But if they keep saying, I'm not willing to take counseling, I'm not willing to listen, I'm not willing to pray about this, I'm not willing to uh, take some time and work through it, I, I, I don't have an answer for that situation. Yeah, I heard a counselor say one time, and it is so true, he said, um, you know, not even God can make people love him. He right. gives everyone the opportunity, but that's part of free will. And that's part of the mercy, but also the justice of God. Not even God can make anyone love him. So the partner who's left and who's doing everything that they can to, at the very least, reconcile and hopefully restore that marriage, you can't make anyone do anything. And eventually eventually the uh, legal system and the court system will make the decision for you. Um, That's right. And that's that, that people who have been left in the marriage, they need to take comfort in that. Um, right. Because you can't expect to do something that not even God God can do. That's Absolutely. exactly right. Yeah. So um, kind of more of a positive thing. What are the best ways for marriages that are in trouble to help save those marriages? Well, I think one of the, the first steps is they need to find a, a counselor, a, a Christian counselor, but a mediator. Sometimes you need somebody. It may be an elder in the church. It may be another couple that you appreciate or whatever, but you have to have somebody to talk to uh, to work through that. I, I think that's one of the best ways is to put your pride aside and reach out and have somebody else help you. I think that's smart. Yeah, and long before you get to the counseling office, and that is a preemptive strike. And by what I mean by that is do what you can to avoid getting your marriage into serious trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, we find with churches, they're hesitant to schedule a marriage seminar uh, or they're hesitant or the individuals are hesitant to participate unless they've got tragedy. We have three deacons and their wives were about to split. We really need you. And I'm like, you needed us. 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, So do something intentional to avoid those serious. Here's just a couple. Number one, do something all the time to strengthen your marriage. If you say once a year, we're going to read a marriage book together. We're going to attend a seminar. We're going to go on a marriage retreat. 
Uh, don't put yourself in situations where your mess marriage would be at jeopardy. Men who go to lunch with a female com uh, work companion, not with any intention of it being anything inappropriate, but it can grow that way. That was foolishness in the first place. Don't put yourself at jeopardy. So I think one is be intentional about actions to avoid that, right? Well, how do you avoid an accident? Well, do whatever you can. Stay alert, right? Mm -hmm. Avoid it when you see it. And one of the biggest ones, and we have said that, we said it in our last episode, we said it here, and we're convinced. Communicate, 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 communicate. Mm -hmm. Communicate when things are good and make it easier to communicate when things are bad. Right. I We just found that when you're talking about things all along and your life is very open and honest, there are a few of those problems. And when you do engage those problems, uh, it, it'll, it'll give you a, a good avenue. Obviously, there's things like humility and, as Tammy mentioned, counsel. Uh, there's other things. But I think those are some big ones. I also think... Um, doing something spiritually together, a Bible study together, praying together. If you start getting into the word of God together or actually praying together, God starts filling in some of those gaps for you as well. If you're open and honest as you're trying to work through this, mm -hmm. his, his word will fill you, his spirit will fill you, and that will help you um, move to a healthier place in your relationship. And not just Ephesians 5.23, wives being subject to your husband. I mean, go back and, and start with Genesis and what God created in and how God's preserved us. And, or, or do First John, a, a book on love. And or the Gospels about like. Jesus. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be about marriage. It's about, you know, you've seen the old triangle, right? God, mm -hmm. husband, wife. The closer the two draw towards God, the closer they draw to each other, even if they're unwilling to compromise with each other. So, Grow individually, grow collectively closer to God, and you'll find yourself growing closer to each other. It's wonderful advice, and uh, it's so cliche. It's used in so many different disciplines, but the old phrase, if you uh, fail to prepare, then you prepare to fail, uh, mm -hmm. is... So and we think it just here. is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So on that, that idea of preparing... Uh, one more time, tell us a little bit about your seminars and how people can contact you to have you come to their congregations. Okay. Uh, anybody that wants the full rundown on our uh, marriage and family seminars can go to hisshoeshershoes.com. You can contact us through the site, find out a little bit about us, a little bit about upcoming seminars, and even a little bit about how to touch base with us. But we offer uh, a marriage seminar. We have a parenting seminar that's called First Steps. Uh, we have a premarital seminar that's set up more like a uh, a youth rally type format. It's not a set and lecture. And we just now have uh, introduced uh, this last year a grandparenting seminar. Uh, but we've modified those for a variety of different uh, situations. We've done it as a five-night VBS. We've done it over multiple weeks. We've done it as a two-day seminar. Typically, they're a one-day seminar we ask the congregation to cover our travel expenses in a small honorarium uh, for our time. It really is very easy, uh, but we put it this way. It's our material, uh, but it's your seminar. So we're really, really open. Uh, so if they want, if they're interested in more details, have them uh, drop us an email or uh, contact us through the website. And we'd be more than happy to, to give them more information. And you have men and women sessions, correct? 
We do. We have some joint sessions and then we have some breakout sessions. Uh, we even do a flip-flop where I talk to the men about what it means to be a good wife, uh, giving them a little more insight that it's not just sitting on the TV, on the couch watching TV and eating bonbons. And Tammy does a session with the women about, uh, you know, the man's job's not as easy as you might think. You might cut them some slack. So we think that's beneficial too to wear the other shoe for just a little bit. Well, and Wayne, based on how this podcast episode began, I guess you have a lot of experience on being a woman, according <laughs> to what Tim had to say. That's exactly right. The only thing is my, I just don't have the legs for high heels. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are so glad that you guys were with us these last two weeks for uh, this series on dating and relationships and marriage. Thanks Thank for having Jacob. us. Yes. Well, we want to close today. If you've been listening, thank you for tuning in. I want to remind you, as always, that here at Road Talk, we want to help you get ready, navigate the journeys of life, and as always, keep your eyes on heaven. Hope that you will join in next week. I'll be interviewing all of the ministry staff over the next several weeks at Press and Crest, letting you have a good insight into all of the different things that we want to do here at the Press and Crest Church of Christ. Hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you next time.